0: IFM fm 101.9 MHz of life. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa, is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. From the boardroom to the shop floor, good business runs on good governance. Join esteemed expert in governance, Dr. Nimrod Mbele for the next hour as he takes us beyond governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa. The spirit of
1: uh, first decision is definitely upon us amidst the COVID-19, which has wreaked a social and economic havoc. As you would know, South African economy was declared, uh, was already in ICU prior to COVID-19, uh, by the time COVID-19 hit us, it literally compounded our headache. You recall that our economy grew by less, less than uh back in 2019. And this year, um, it is, it's going to be shrunk, or at least we told by the economists, that the economy will shrunk by almost 8%. I mean, that's quite astronomical. Uh, that will literally leave a multitude of South Africans outside of the job. Um, which means this would literally take unemployment rate, the last time I checked, around 40% or so, uh, depending on the, depending on the definition of unemployment that one, uh, is, is choosing. Despite this headache, I, I strongly believe that South Africans are a resilient nation. Uh, you know, for an example, Dabon Beck at some point pointed out that uh, you know, our, our dream has been deferred. And, and, and I, and I, beg to differ with that particular very proposition. Uh, but what do you think? Um, can we make it some point, point out that we have a dual economy? You know, firstly, we've got a, the first class economy. We've got also a third class economy in the South African context. And, and the, the third class economy is predominantly in a township rural environment because people don't have access to education. They don't have access to means. They don't have access to the kind of technology that we all do. But the reality is that, you know, uh, the South African dream is the reality, tends to be, you know, realized in our lifetime. But what does it really require for us to, uh, you know, uh, meet what Thabo spoke about? Um, for me, it's about decisive leadership. You know, we definitely need a decisive leadership that would turn things around. Um, you know, um, uh, on this show from time to time, we always try to see, what are those kinds of building blocks that are required to ensure that the country moves towards a direction that we all can be proud of? Uh, my name is Nimrit Niboyle. Thanks once again for joining us. Uh, I'm delighted to be in your company as we wrap up the year. Uh, my guest tonight is Dr. Sefiso Falala. He is the CEO of Plus and for Research, a renowned research company, which assists companies really to make you know, determination based on empirical evidence. Who would not want to have that kind of a company, you know, um, in, in their corner? Because every decision that we have to take has to be based on something. Uh, talk of something, our conversation with Dr. Falala was centred around uh, the research piece which they have commissioned, which in the main is the fundamental questions about South African dream, you know. What is it? we hear more, we'll definitely hear more from Dr. Falala about the commissioned research on what on what constitute the South African dream? What are the selling points about the South African dream, uh, and how do we really maintain it moving forward? Uh, Beyond governance, making sense of uh, doing business in South Africa is proudly brought to you by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. Welcome aboard to Beyond Governance Flight. Uh, please weigh in on our conversation tonight as you always do. Our SMLR is three four five one nine. The Telegram is 061. Eight nine five one zero one nine, and of course my tutor handle is at Mel and Nimrod. Uh, before I get to our gist of a conversation with Dr. Falala, um, you know, the, the, I just want to set the scene by reflecting on the research agenda around nation building, you know, uh, first and foremost in my mind, any nation building is participated by among the following. We have got, you uh, have had, uh, a negative growth. We had our weak finances. We have had a deteriorating debt burden, and which which we cannot afford. Our fiscal position and social constraints are a mess, and we've got iterative rising borrowing cost, and so on and so forth. So these are some of the contextual issues that would underpin a conversation with Dr. Falala. Um, you know, uh, on that note, uh, I just want to perhaps maybe the last point before I bring in Dr. Falala is that any turnaround strategy or solution. It must be contextual. You know, it has to be reached, you know, rooted in some kind of a mischief which government, business, or labour is trying to resolve. Any mischief uh, that is not underpinned by a national vision, which you know, in my view, it would would obviously is a precursor for a conversation with Dr. Falala uh, this evening. Um, which begs the question: What is this national vision? You know, what are its salient points? How is it being shared? Is it being shared widely by South Africans? And how if, if it has been shared by the world, by, by, by Africa widely, how do we promote it if it is not shared widely, how do we bridge those gaps? How do we foster the kind of culture of 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 unity and diversity as it were? Uh, on that note, let me take this opportunity to welcome Dr. Falala, uh, who is a CEO at Plus 94 for Research, for him to give us a sense of this wonderful study which they have commissioned, which uh, uh, is ongoing and would from time to time request. Uh, the Beyond Governance uh, listeners, and of course the entire High Family uh, listenership, to you know, to really log in into their website and 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 and, and follow it uh, through. Um, but anyway, let me take this opportunity to welcome Dr. Falal. Uh, good evening, sir, welcome once again.
2: Uh, thank you very much, uh, Nimrod, and thank you to to the listeners. And uh, I hope everyone that is listening will uh, participate in some way. We uh, in this research, we do have a an email address, um, uh, which is sa-dream uh, at plus94.co.za, which allows the, the listeners to also give us their input on the South African dream and the research that we are doing around the evolution of uh, a winning nation.
1: Thank you very much for that, uh, Dr. Falala. Um, I will also echo your views and, and impress upon all the listeners to, you know, log on onto sa-dream. At plus ninety four dos a day for your active participation. Uh, moving on forward, uh, Doctor Falala, perhaps maybe the very first question is, what actually inspired you to commission the study? Besides, um, you know, government has had plethora of interventions around social cohesion, um, and there are a lot of programs that have been driven by the state, uh, but you know, disappointingly, most of these programs. But at least from my experience, are not widely shared. Um, firstly, what inspired you, and how do we make a difference based on what already exists?
2: Yes, uh, what inspired the research uh, was the absence of a vehicle that we can ride towards the the dream for South Africa in 2030. Um, we looked at the national uh, development plan, um, which was prepared by the Economic Planning Commission, and we tried to find in it a vehicle that would, would take us there collectively as a people. It seems very difficult. There are lots of ideas that are expressed around nationhood, around diversity, uh, and around being free and being better than what we were. There is an abundance of information, perhaps an overpowering abundance of information. It's difficult to navigate your way to, to find a, 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 compass with which to, to say that this is how we are going to get there in 2030. So we decided to, to ask the population, as we always do, to speak to ordinary people in different provinces, different languages, different age groups, uh, different races. Um, a fair representation of the population to find out, in their view, um, what what is the dream that they have for South Africa in light of the broader national agenda, and how do they see us getting there?
1: So, Elisha, thank you for that. What has been the reception from those that you have engaged? As you have indicated earlier, this is a ongoing process, and you are still, obviously, in the process of collecting and synthesizing data. But in terms of the general feel of those that you have been able to engage, what's the appetite like?
2: I think uh, there's a huge interest in, in engaging uh, on national issues to start there. Um, when we um, invite uh, listeners and the population to participate in a study of this nature, we find that they don't have enough opportunities and outlets to express their uh, views about what is going on in the country and their experiences and their circumstances. And to that extent, um, this research does give them an an opportunity and an outlet to be heard. So uh, the participation has been very impressive. Um, and uh, we've gathered a lot of information, which we are still analyzing. We do have some information that we're able to to share. So it, it's 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 wonderful. And thank you also for the opportunity that we have through your 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 radio station to to share uh, this research and the findings from it.
1: No, no, thank you very much, Dr. Falala. We're we more than glad to partner with you on this uh, potentially nation-building exercise. Perhaps maybe the out they might want to hear, um, you know, firstly, the rationale of this project and rainbow study. Uh, and, and perhaps maybe take us through you know, what the what the methodical issues that you looked at and the process that you have, um, uh, um, you know, followed in undertaking the research and what is actually emerging. Just take us through, in a nutshell, the, the overview of the research agenda, uh, so to speak, in terms of what was its, its purpose, where is it going now, and the number of individuals or groups of individuals from different, as you pointed out, race, class, gender that you have engaged. Just give us an overview of the research agenda that you propose, that you're putting forward.
2: Yeah, no, thank you so much uh, for that. We um, clearly uh, were informed in some way by uh, the American dream, because America is an older country uh, which became independent in the year 1776. And uh, as part of their declaration of their independence, they stated the unindependence, um, the, the sort of the right for every person to to life, to liberty, and the pursuit of of happiness, that sort of uh, became the the basis upon which American society was built. And, and in 1931, they then uh, formally declared um, the the American Dream, which in essence is based on one being able to pursue their dreams and achieve as much as they can based on their ability. And to that extent, also being able to promote education in order to maximize each individual's ability. So on our side, we were not quite clear what our dream was for various individuals. We do know that our dream up to 1994, on the 27th of April, was to gain democracy um, and become a democratic society and that, that democracy was, in fact, a means to an end rather than an end in itself. And therefore, it was important to establish from the population uh, what that end was and, and how they intended to play a role in achieving that end. And the research, therefore, involved um, an initial phase that is qualitative in nature to establish how we should measure this. Um, and establishing how we should measure this would give us a kind of a framework or a finite set of variables that can be used to measure the direction in which the population wants to, to go. So the first step was to then put together these um focus group discussions, and uh, we had nine of them uh, to more or less cover the provinces and also to more or less cover the different age groups and income uh, groups. And to and, and through these focus groups, we had various discussions which um, lasted at least an hour. Um, each group had between four and eight individuals, which then allowed for discussion to flow freely um, and, and for the individuals to interact and to question each other about what they meant by certain things that they said so that was this the set up and um, all discussions were recorded and, um, and verbatim transcripts were produced from which we then gleaned these um, attributes that seemed to give us a direction in terms of how we should measure where we are going um, as a country
1: Thank you very much for that, Dr. Falala. Uh, I think your your whole approach is quite impressive because you you pointed out that you know obviously you you know you're covering all the race groups in the country, and in terms of well also reflecting on issues of class, and an extent that you you know an hour is fairly enough for anybody to solicit selling points. If you can't really gather selling points within an hour, then you're wasting your time. But but thank you very much for reflecting on that. Personally, one thing that I also appreciate in 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 your approach is the fact, and obviously drawing from the American Dream, as you as you've correctly pointed out, which obviously uh, uh, it's an attempt to pursue you know individual liberty and happiness, uh, which the Americans uh, are very so proud about. Uh, and and sailing to that, you you also made reference to the role of education. Uh, in promoting the American dream, which I suppose in the, uh, the, and the NDP, the role of education is quite expressed. Uh, um, perhaps maybe in, in not so many ways around how to become a better South African, uh, or how to promote social cohesion. Uh, I, I'm speeding on a correction, but the role of education is quite point, it's quite, it's quite important indeed in, in, in both contexts. Um, perhaps maybe Taking forward, take us through the themes that you have proposed, which were almost like a fertile ground for extracting uh, insight around where people where people find themselves at and and, and where people want to see themselves uh, in the near future. Take us through those thematic areas that your research focused on
2: yeah. Um... Thanks very much. And and it's it's wonderful that you have uh, this program that discusses uh, governance. So our thinking was that governance can become quite a challenge where uh, individuals that come from different backgrounds feel that they are misunderstood or feel that they don't have an opportunity to express their views equally. Uh, So the research uh, was conducted in such a way that we did not pre-bias respondents by telling them that the dream that you have should be around your liberty. We started by asking them simple questions such as, what is unique about being South African? What is the one thing um, that makes one South African? Um, How would you be able to say When I hear this uh, said by another person, I know that this person is a South African. So we started by asking those simple questions. And then we carried on um, through uh, to asking about uh, a national consensus, the existence of a national consensus, whether there was. Anything or things that we as South Africans agreed on that we should do this well or we should do this this way. Because without a national consensus, it would be difficult to find the middle ground for, for governing and for, for governance. And, and, and I'll, I'll share just uh, what are some of the things that um, came out of that. So the discussion around consensus itself was, was very, very important and Clearly, when you talk about sporting events, uh, such as the recent Rugby World Cup, in which we were victorious in, in Japan, um, the cricket matches, and so on and so forth, there is some consensus that every South African supports a South African team and they want a South African team to win. And then... Um, you start asking questions around why, uh, what is it that is being preserved, and then the answers around this uh, nationhood and around this uh, unifying thread that runs through the the nation begins to to emerge. So, without taking too much time, I think the first thing that uh, theme that emerged from this research is is unity in diversity and and perhaps uh, you might have questions around around that um but it's it's unity in diversity um basically the feeling especially amongst the poor and those that are disadvantaged was that south africa is a miracle is a miraculous country where people who are at opposite ends of the spectrum, economically, socially, are united uh, with one purpose in mind of advancing the country. So that in itself becomes a building pillar. Um, so I don't know if I should stop there and, and mention the others or you'd like no, to no, discuss... Please, please proceed. Please proceed. Okay, and, and then the second uh, theme uh, that emerges as uniquely South African and something that should be used um, as a uh, tool for building and forging a successful nation with a consistent identity was um, authentic humanity. Uh, this whole thing of Ubuntu, the fact that we we are human beings, um, we are accommodating, we are tolerant, uh, we are patient, and we are able to welcome visitors from other parts of the world and they can have a holiday and uh, that they find us to be warm. And um, so it's, it's an asset that the country has. And and um, this particular variable, authentic humanity, together with unity in diversity, they do set us apart and they are, to a certain extent, Achievable or already already achieved, the country has been very successful collectively in delivering those to a point. Then the third one is investment in youth and education. Uh, this is one of the ones that uh, requires to require a lot of work. There was a feeling that the youth um, is undermined, that they are leadership qualities and their contribution is not always uh, turned to, is not always used, they are not consulted enough in terms of the decisions that are made. Essentially, that leadership in the country, whether it's at a corporate level or in government, tends to be older people and the youth is technically excluded. So there was a feeling that uh, this is something that needs developing and requires a lot of work. And the fourth one is... Um, overcoming uh, apathy. Uh, this theme really emerged uh, as as we uh, questioned and probed uh, the respondents to explain certain things they were doing uh, to contribute towards vision 2030 and them saying that I'm actually not that interested or shrugging their shoulders, at times rolling their eyes, that, okay, this doesn't quite interest me. So this is as a result of them feeling that they are powerless, helpless, cannot make a decision, that all the decision-making that matters is in the hands of a few people. And therefore they have become, especially the youth, uh, they have become apathetic uh, towards national issues. And to that extent, what is emerging is that they are minding their own business, only taking care of um Things that could help them, and through the research, we actually realized that um, there were three spheres of um, of uh, experience as a citizen. Assuming that everyone agrees, as per our constitution, that everyone is equal and everyone has to as a right to life, to liberty, and to the pursuit of happiness. Uh, the, the first uh, area is accessing one's own rights. Um, And the second area is infringing on the rights of others while you are accessing your own rights. And the third area was advancing collective rights. In other words, advancing your rights together while you are also advancing the rights of of others. And the research points out that um, as a result of leadership perhaps pursuing its own rights and interests at the expense of the rights and interests of others, uh, they have hence become apathetic because it's not a process that they can change or stop. And then the fifth and the final dimension that came out of uh, this qualitative stage of the research was equal economic opportunity. What this meant was um, that everybody believes that South Africa is a well-endowed country in terms of its natural resources, However, however, the efficiency of the distribution of those resources does not benefit uh, everyone equally. And um, and this is not necessarily because they're incapable. It is an economy that is structurally biased. And because of that structural bias, a lot of work needs to be done in order to um, – realign the economy to the interests of uh, Vision 2030 and the interests of the people. So in a nutshell, those are the five key areas, themes that are emerging, which interestingly are quite aligned with the National Development uh, Plan, uh, save for the fact that it gives a lot of detail and it, it, it has almost an infinite array of, of of objectives, and even the vision of the National development uh, plan is expanded to a point where one feels that you don't have a handle of wh- what to hold on to. Where do I start? What do I do? So those are the main things, Dr. Mbele.
1: Thank you very much uh, for that insightful uh, view that you've shared with us, Dr. Farrell. We're going to go to the break in the next uh, second. Uh, when you come back, we'll thresh out, um, you know, some of the selling points on the, on the you know, uh, key emerging themes that you've articulated, um, uh, you know, a while ago on that note. Let's just quickly pay our bills and come back in a second. Just to follow up with Dr. Falala's very interesting uh, research piece, which they've commissioned.
0: This is beyond governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele on 101.9 High FM.
1: Welcome back. It is now between eight minutes to seven o'clock. Uh, if you have just joined us, please weigh in our conversation uh, with Dr. Falala, based on the research piece which they have commissioned. And it points to very interesting uh, insight, which I believe uh, is in the best interest of the country, uh, you know, to take it forward. Our SMS line is 34519. The telegram is 061895. 1019. And of course, I want you to punt the email, which is currently being used as a platform, uh, to, to solicit as many, uh, uh inputs as possible, uh, you know, as, as part of this ongoing research agenda, uh, which has been orchestrated by Plus94. The email address is sadream at plus94.co.za. Um, if you've just joined us before we went to the break, Dr. Falala was giving us a, a sense of what are the, some of the emerging things based on the, the research uh, output which they've commissioned. The first one was the unity in, in, in diversity, and he pretty much explained to us in terms of how that particular element has been seen by you know, South Africans who have been part of the study. The second one was authentic humanity, uh, and, and the third one was investment in youth and education, and the fourth one was overcoming apathy. And last but not least was the economic opportunity, uh, you know, for all, I presume. Um, so those are the five key thematic issues that are emerging from the research agenda, which has been commissioned by plus 94. Uh, perhaps maybe, you know, uh, it might be useful for us just to, you know, uh, drive a little bit more deeper into some of the salient points that were emerging, uh, in terms of each of these particular Uh, themes that, 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 you know, were pointed out. Firstly, the unity and diversity, I think it's a very powerful, uh, positive messaging because it's, it's a, it's a recognition that South Africa is not homogenous. We're not like Japan. We're not like China. Uh, we're not, we're extremely heterogeneous, which means the element of unity is, is very important. And as a building block for any nation building, that's something that has to be acknowledged. Um authenticity, definitely, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, in terms of what you've seen in the Zona Commission analyze, that particular variable, uh, is lacking. And uh, you know, the third one, which I thought it was very powerful, is an in investment in youth and education, uh, and, and that, and, and the fact that youth feel Marginalized, feel undermined, uh, their leadership qualities, as he, as he currently pointed out, um, were not considered in major development events. And, and last but not least is that of, um, I think overcoming apathy as well as economic opportunity. Um, Dr. Falala, if I, if I, you know, I'll paraphrase you well, or I've captured what, what came out, those are the five thematic areas that you've spoken about. But perhaps maybe what is of particular interest to me, it is, um, you know, the whole issue of, um, you know, uh, un- unity in, 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 you know, in diversity, particularly in respect to procurement of goods and services. Um, can we find that particular strand of your research, finding expression in how South Africans are procuring goods and services that are produced in South Africa? Because that is a very powerful uh, uh uh key messaging uh, because if it cannot be translated in in economy um that that in my view it's a, it's, a, it's a huge limitation can you take us through that uh, dr phalalo
2: yes um interesting that um the 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 building blocks uh, that have been used to build south africa are its people and its people are diverse and this is what makes the nation uh, beautiful. It's it's the rainbow nation in that in that sense. Um, so you look at the rainbow, but the experiences are, are different. What we noticed was that there there is a gap between talking about what the nation is currently and what it should be. What it is currently is, it is very diverse in its complexion in terms of the people, but also very diverse in terms of the experiences of the new democracy. There are those that are privileged and experience uh, democracy in an endearing and gratifying way, and then there are others who are in the majority who do not as yet enjoy the full fruits of a democratic dispensation, and we try to also get into the details of what that might might be. Uh, so in terms of defining what the society uh, looks like that's not a problem. but in terms of defining what it should look like, this is where we find the problem. after twenty six years of democracy, it is still very difficult for the vast majority of the people that we spoke to, to articulate a consistent and a coherent vision for the country or to say this is where we are going and this is how we are getting there. And most people simply said, I have never thought about it. And, and the reason why they have never thought about it is because of their survival mode, their existence, they find themselves in where they have to make it through the night, make it through the week, make it through the month, uh, so to speak. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done in order to help us graduate from the concept of a diverse and united uh, society to the reality of, of that society. The concept itself is well accepted and loved because it is the basis upon which the country is unique. But the actual product of it is still um, far from being being realized, and there are lots of factors um, uh, for that, one of which is the fact that the speed of economic transformation has not been rapid enough, and that there has been a skew, uh, perhaps in terms of The growth in the, in, in the middle class does not necessarily mean that the poorest of the poor are emerging from the poverty. It simply means that those that were on the fringes of the middle class are now more in the middle class, the lower tier of, of the middle class.
1: Fantastic. That sounds, that sounds really interesting. Um, you know, as a follow up on, on this, you know, unity and diversity, uh, aspect which, as the first value has been articulated. However, you have pointed out that in practice, depending on depending on the socioeconomic economic uh, environment, individuals find themselves in. People have expressed it differently because they experience, um, you know, the livelihood uh, differently. I would imagine someone who is occupying a lower LSM uh, would 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 find it almost difficult to articulate exactly what this is all about. And whereas someone else who is probably sitting at LSM, give or take, you know, five to 10 or five to nine, uh, would experience differently. In your, uh, you know, uh, nascent, uh, development of the research agenda as it were, um, is there anything that you're picking up or that is, that, that is common between, you know, the diverse interest or the diverse group of individuals that you have, uh, interviewed? Do that suggest that irrespective of their, socioeconomic economic standing, um, you know, there's something that is that is common. Is there anything of sort that you, that is that you you you've picked up, or that is emerging?
2: Yes, um, I think the, the first of all the obvious one is the geography, um, the fact that there is this piece of land uh, which is on the southernmost tip of Africa that is called South Africa that we share. And that this is where we live and it's our own um, piece of ground under the sun. And that because of that we are united by being confined under this piece of uh, land that geographically geographically makes us unique. Um, And then obviously the whole uh, notion of this authentic humanity, the fact that we've got Ubuntu, we're always trying to help others. Um, we are warm uh, some nations are not as warm as perhaps uh, we are um, and the fact that we understand our differences and we accept each other and depending on circumstances there is actually uh, love for, for, for each other so there is unity in, in being diverse but the problem is that the things that unite us such as the ones that I've mentioned uh, at times appear so small compared to the things that separate us. And the things that separate us then tend to be based on the, chasm, the economic chasm between uh, certain population groups. And when you look at that, you then go back to the history. So you're struggling to overcome the history, but as long as the history keeps on Rearing its ugly head in the form of manifested economic, uh, dichotomies. Then you continue to have, uh, people saying, yeah, we love each other, but we love each other, but so this is the experience that the, the majority of the population that we surveyed, um, has.
1: And I'm glad you raised that point because I mean, um, as you're talking, I'm thinking, yes, I mean, you know, this authentic humanity, it's almost like a kumbaya kind of uh, yeah. you know, rhetoric. Everybody wants to be authentic. Everybody wants, you know. And I think I like to be a qualifier in that. Yeah, but you know, we, you know, we we don't have the same uh, benefits. We don't have the same entry point in the market. We don't have uh, the same access or privileges. So therefore, um, this this authentic humanity spirit, which is inherent in African community, but in my view, is sort of dissipating because the real grind is still out there because we have this dichotomy of, of economies, which presuppose that people experience, you know, evil or transformation differently. Therefore, their priorities, uh, will will definitely differ. Building on that particular point, um, I just want to flag in the dimension of, um, you know, South Africa being intertwined with the region and with the entire continent. I'm not sure whether part of your research is reflecting on that. I'll tell you what, because the, the, the economic emancipation of South Africa, as in my view, is very much aligned to how we trade with the region and how we trade with the rest of the continent. So, so, so that particular aspect can, I suppose the, 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 the humanity could be used as a, as, as as a threat that joined South Africans with the rest of the region, with the rest of the, the continent, um, to ensure that we, we, create more value. Um is it something that perhaps maybe your research could, 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 could reflect on so that we, we get a perspective of how, firstly, South Africans view themselves in relation to, uh, the, uh, the region itself and the continent. Because we've had some very disturbing thoughts around South Africans, you know, some of them who don't necessarily see themselves as South Africans. They, they, they think South Africa is some, uh, you know, grossy, uh entity that sit outside the continent just by way of expressing themselves. Is there an opportunity in your research along the way? Because this is obviously an ongoing process, which reflects how potentially South Africans uh, view the 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 intertwining, if you like, with the rest of SARAC as well as the 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 the, um, the old point of, of the continent. Because that will have different permutation in terms of level of acceptability. You know, uh, level of, of trade And so on and so forth
2: Yeah um, it's the, We asked uh, Questions like that and, and what we find is that Because people tend to dwell A lot on bread and butter Issues They do not dwell too much On macroeconomic issues Other than the ones that you see uh, In the news uh, and, and maybe we can talk a little bit About those what is fairly obvious um, from the research is that um, the leadership hasn't done a very good job in terms of giving us a consistent uh, identity as a nation. Um, and, and in fact, even if one were to speak from a provincial point of view, uh, take a province, say, like Northern Cape or the Eastern Cape or Northwest, and say this is the identity of these uh Province, aside from the uh, natural attractions um, and, and tourist attractions, what is our national identity? The reason why that is important is simply because it is difficult to imagine or contemplate an African identity and African collaboration at a very high level without understanding our own identity in, in South Africa. And that's why this project is so important, because that identity is what fuses in and brings in the element of being at the foot of Africa, sort of uh, uh, being at the bottom of, of Africa geographically, so to speak. Uh, so it's a question of uh, this whole South African dream, developing it. And, and Af- South Africa is one of two or three countries. Uh, I only know of us and the Central Africa Repu- Republic that actually has Africa as part of its name. And, and, and therefore, um, even during the liberation war, when people were saying, my yeah, boy, Africa, what did they actually mean when they were saying that? So in many instances, um, there is a strong African identity and a strong African nationhood. But for that to evolve into a global strategy, a better strategy for for business, charity has to begin at home, and charity has to begin in South Africa, and we have to address some of the challenges that we are facing.
1: I couldn't agree with you. Um, I applaud the lesson I would say because I'm not sure uh if you are not as keen as I am, and I wish I could obviously extend this kind of conversation because it gives me goosebumps. Uh do in our conversation. Three four five one nine is our SMS line. The telegram is 618951019 Um I'm joined on, on, on online by Dr. Falala, who is the CEO of Plus ninety four research, giving us the snippets of what is emerging on the the study which they have commissioned, and we must just say, I mean, it's quite um, uh, 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 exciting to see this kind of initiative for we have failed to see um, the state really pushing the national agenda. I mean, the social cohesion mantra or social cohesion, um, it, in, in most instances, is just a rhetoric. Uh, it really fails to find expression in how people engage on a day-to-day basis. I suppose... It's all about the bread and butter issues, which Dr. Falana spoke about. It's very difficult for people to have, um, high level, uh, abstract, uh, understanding of where South Africa ought to be when somebody doesn't have, you know, uh, bills to pay, like right now. Someone does not have, does, does, not able, you know, to, does not able to put bread on the table. Someone does not have transportation money. Those kinds of basic things needs to be addressed firstly so that we are able to, uh, uh, take the conversation and notch up where we begin to talk about some of these issues. But I think it's a very useful platform, a very useful piece of research, which South Africans would inherently uh, subscribe to. Talking of subscription, please weigh in uh, you know, or promote this particular conversation by visiting the, the website, which is SA Dream at plus94.co.za, to to participate in that, because this is an ongoing conversation which will rely more and more on your participation so that you've got a a a greater picture in terms of how South Africans are experiencing the whole thing. As we are obviously gravitating towards another part of our conversation, I want to ask Dr. Falala here, one of the emerging themes which is close to my heart is investment in youth uh, we know that this you know, the bulk of South Africans are youth. uh the bulk of them are unemployed and some of them are not employable because of the quality of education they have received and and leadership that you know that is leading this particular there's almost a sense that they well i mean you know undermine uh, you know the values or the character or the quality of this in terms of them be consulted um what what is emerging because out of this particular um, you know, theme, Dr. Falala. One would obviously see the the, the the projection, how South Africans see themselves, uh, you know, uh, moving forward. Not so much about the kind of quagmire people find themselves at Any useful research has to project, saying this is the status for now, but this is where we want to be. This is where we want to become. It becoming... What is actually emerging from this particular theme on investment in youth in education, what is actually emerging from that particular point
2: yeah um, so uh, the the youth uh, as you correctly uh, said, they do not know how to to get involved because a lot of the uh, themes that that are celebrated you mentioned at the beginning of uh, the program uh, for instance about the national reconciliation day we have june 16 uh, and and so on many of them were not even in existence um, in 1994 and now they're struggling to find inclusion in the narrative that is being propagated by those that were there in 1994 and were there in 1976 and and therefore, uh, it is about the leadership articulating this Vision 2030 or Vision 2050 and saying, this is where we are going, this is how we are planning to go there, and this is your role that you have to play. And these are the tools that you need, and therefore, uh, we will equip you with relevant and effective uh, education. So... There's a perception that uh, the youth is completely left out as a group. And if you look at our population statistics, they will indicate that the vast majority um, is under the age of 35 of the population. They are the majority and they are also the future. So their view is that they are not included in terms of um, future planning. Uh, but more importantly also that in today's, uh, decisions that are being made that will affect them, that they are also not being consulted.
1: No, thank you very much for that, Dr. Falana. Perhaps maybe on the, my last point on this youth investment in education, um, you know, firstly, it's about the, the quality of education or the responsiveness of education, as it were, because we're we still pretty much in an academic uh, you know, oriented kind of curricula, if you like, which, which, in my view, does not really foster that culture of entrepreneurship. One way out of this, you know, economic quagmire, which most of youth find themselves at, is precisely because most of them have acquired the piece of paper which is not even worth uh, the ink, or which is not worth the paper that is written on, purely because it, these are just certificates. Um, from your research, um, are you able just to personally reflect on the kind of support that is needed for youth uh, who are pursuing entrepreneurship? Not so much about queuing in the halls of universities and FIT colleges, just to acquire certificates or, or qualifications don't, which don't really avail in a greater scheme of things. Because, because the, most of those progr- uh, 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 disciplines or programs are saturated. That's a reality. Uh, and we can't be all about that. I just want to pass maybe, if it hasn't been explored, pass maybe it's a, if there's an opportunity just to reflect on, on, on how, um, entrepreneurship could be cultivated, particularly among youth. And what will it take for them to become self-reliant as a way of going out of, um, you know, poverty? Because the, the formal job employment environment, um, is limited. And and with the kind of growth that we've experienced, uh, which was you know assaulted by COVID nineteen, means there's a far lesser uh, opportunities for youth with those qualification. Uh, would not this be one thing that personally you could explore? If you have explored it, what is actually coming out?
2: We have not explored the uh, quality of education or the relevance of the curriculum and the syllabus. But it's something that, uh, as the process is still unfolding, that we can um, explore uh, from the other discussions and and the other research that we have done. I can um, agree with um, your sentiment that um, the education that we we have the syllabus the content is not does not appear to be based on the problems that we do have. Um, it, it appears, by and large, to be an education system that was inherited uh, from a country with unique problems, not necessarily of our own. So maybe we took education literally uh, to mean that as long as one uh, has something called an education, it's it's fine. And I think there are moves afoot, and many universities uh, right now and colleges are making a lot of effort to change their courses, and the digital economy has forced them to do so, to look at coding and, you know, developing uh, syntaxes uh, for programming and so on, because the digital economy is likely to dominate uh, global commerce for many years to to come. But nonetheless, um, if you look at uh, our syllabuses, uh, very little work is done to assess if, uh, they they are in fact particularly primary school uh, syllabuses, uh, which which is very very uh, foundational, um, and um, in a country where one of the biggest problems we're experiencing uh, is is violence and, and violence towards uh, um, uh, women and, and children, for example, you would imagine that um, a child who's say eight years or nine years old would be taught ethics. Because ethics and morality, but, but we don't actually teach that. And because we are living in an economy where parents are busy, you have both parents working, they also don't have time to, to teach children about the importance of human life, uh, dignity and all of these things. So a school is, is, is an opportunity for shaping and refining individuals and making them efficient citizens. So I would have to agree with your sentiment that there needs to be a rethink on the content, particularly of primary school education.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. Thanks for, for taking me up on that particular dimension of research, which in my view is potential would potentially add value to your research uh, value proposition. Um, one thing that you raised, which is quite powerful, which I couldn't agree with you more, um, is the fact that, um, yes, we are now obviously in a digital economy, uh, which which our education system is not as responsive as we would like it to be. And and you've said, you know, universities and some of the FET colleges are sort of trying to move towards that. But here lies in the problem because that kind of orientation ought to be informed by a specific narrative. Um at the macroeconomic policy point, we suggest that South Africa is now a digital economy or By X, you would obviously have to be in a a digital world, so to speak, by fostering the robotics, as you've pointed out. Um, Perhaps maybe in the next short while we'll hear more about how, you know, the framing of the vision, uh, which you can all be part of, which would inherently uh, speaks to the digital economy, we'll probably see it coming. The last point that you raised, which I thought it was very powerful, is the whole point of ethics and morality. Uh, in the context of, you know, obscene violence that you've seen in the country. And and, and I agree with you more that schools are a basis for crafting and cultivating uh, those kinds of values. If we don't cultivate those kind of values, we'll have, um, uh, you know, uh, leaders of tomorrow who would embezzle the economy as they've embezzled, uh, uh, you know, based on what you've seen from um, the, the the Commission on, on State Capture. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there, Dr. Falala, Thank you very much for coming through. I certainly think the uh, listeners have thoroughly enjoyed the snippets of what is to be, uh, in terms of what the, in terms of the research agenda that you've put forward.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mbele. And thank you for your time and thank you to the listeners also, as well.
1: There you go. That was uh, Dr. Sifiso Falala, who is the CEO at PLAS 94 for Research, giving us a snippets of What would probably one of the most unique value proposition which, uh, uh, would take this country forward. On that way, I implore you to log on into dream at plus94.0.za. It's a platform which gathers, uh, more or more inputs, particularly around this particular research so that the findings could be more on a much more uh, granular scale, uh, so that you are able to, to, to direct, you know, the kind of narrative that you want to be proud of uh, as the country is going forward. Unfortunately, we're going to leave it there. Uh, uh, let's do this again next week. And I'm quite pleased to say this particular show has been brought to you, proudly brought to you by Plasma 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Uh, until we meet again, in the meantime, do please do stay safe. Uh, maintain the social distancing protocol. Let's see each other again. I thank you and a good evening.
0: Beyond Governance was brought to you by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've come a long way together, hundreds of thousands listening in over 80 countries, sharing the same goals as you, the same vision, the same values. Thank you for staying with us. Here's to you. Hi-FM. 101.9 101.9 megahertz of life.